Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you because you gave us a word. And I pray that we would be able to share this word like breaking bread. I pray that we would all be able to take that piece of bread, tear it off the loaf, and take it home and let it change our lives. Let it be a blessing to us. Let it, let it, let, let it do something different in us and move us to greater heights. And we'll just thank you, praise you, and bless you. It's not about learning something, just about learning something. It's about being changed in your presence. And we pray that we would be able to receive that. In Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen. And the church says, amen. Praise God. I want to preach about Martha Stewart. It's the COVID transition series. Uh, And so we're getting to the end of this, and I'm beginning to ask God, well, what's it going to look like? And I still don't have all the answers, and I don't have to have all the answers. And you don't have to have all the answers. We're just whatever God wants, we're good with that. Amen? But but here's the thing. He's starting to show us some things, and there's something very foundational that I need to share with you. And I want to use Mary. And they're actually mentioned like three times in the Scriptures in each, each of the Gospels, but three different stories. Let me put it like that. So there's... What I want to kind of compare today is the Mary church as compared to the Martha church. And which church do we want to be? Now, there's a lot of different styles of church. And uh, when you read the material, everyone's always talking about how to organize your church. You know, how to. And so there's very, there's very various different models. And I'm not even sure which one we're at. But the question is not how is the church organized? The question is, where is Jesus in the organization? And I believe you can even, now some of these are more conducive for God moving than others. But you can even have a traditional church and come to a traditional church and feel his presence. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not about how you're structured. It's about Where is Jesus? Is the Lord able to connect? And are people able to connect? Because it's one thing to connect to the church. It's something else to connect to Jesus. And we need to ask the question about churches. Is Jesus your master or your mascot? Is it all about worship or is it just about complaints and requests? Is Jesus the guest or the butler? Is Jesus the hope of glory or just the hood ornament? Where does Jesus fit into all? Where's the presence of the Lord in all this? Because we can make people comfortable and still go to hell. We can make them comfortable and at home in church and want to even come to church and never meet Jesus. Never know what it is to have the move of the Holy Spirit in our church. You remember Moses when he built the tabernacle. God told him how to do it. It was well organized. There were three rooms in the outer court, and every room had its furniture. And not only that, but the furniture was made exactly, exactly precise dimensions. The, the ark, the laver, everything, the, 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 the candlesticks, everything had to be made exactly how God wanted it. I mean, I mean, it was. It had to be right to the right to the inch. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
and the colors and what kind of wood and, and this is covered in gold and, and everything. Listen, God believes in organization. God believes in things being done correctly and everything was just right. But how many know that it wasn't enough to get it right? It isn't enough to just be organized because then he told him, Moses, anoint the furniture and anoint the curtains. Anoint the tabernacle. Pour oil on everything. And after he anointed it, do you all remember the pillar of fire? That pillar of fire picked up and moved, oh, my God, and fell into the Holy of Holies where the high priest was. There was no natural light in the Holy of Holies until God's presence filled that 15 by 15 foot room. Boom! Light in the Holy of Holies. So much light there were no shadows. There wasn't just a source of light. The room was light. The room was lit. That's what made the tabernacle the tabernacle. It wasn't the furniture. It wasn't the organization. It wasn't the beauty of the place. There are churches that are known for their beauty. There are churches that are known for their organization. There are, there, 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 there are churches that are known for their music or known for this or known for that. But I don't know that I want to be known for all that. I want to be known as the place where the presence of the Lord is. I want to go to that church where the presence that's where Jesus is. I'm not saying we should be unorganized, but I'm because God believes in order and he falls on order. But the point is, he needs to fall. God is calling us to be what I'm calling a presence-based church. Mary and Martha, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. You ready? Ready for the word? Now it happened as they went, he, Jesus, entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. It is her house. Mary's living there, but it's her house. Y'all feel what I'm saying. Uh, people might live in the house, but who really runs? The... So, so Mar And he welcomed her into her house, and, and she had a sister called Mary. By the way, Lazarus is the brother. We'll talk about him in a minute who also sat at Jesus' feet. Martha had the house, but Mary sat at his feet. Martha was, it's not that what she was doing was wrong, because really that's why Jesus is there. He was hungry. He needed a place to rest. There's nothing wrong with what Martha's doing. If you're a helps person, if you're service, you have that heart. There's nothing wrong with that. We need you. We love you. You're, you're, you're absolutely vital to the church. It's not that we're anti-Martha, but don't. if you're Martha, be careful you don't get distracted so that everything revolves around the serving and doing it right and getting aggravated when it isn't. Martha was distracted, so she approached Jesus because she's just, now, ladies, some of you really, how many of you ladies are the type, you don't even sit down when other people are there. You're working before the meal, during the meal, after the meal, and you love it. Martha's concerned about how many people are coming. If I say, hey, there's some people coming over for lunch, the, what, ladies, what's the first thing? 
how many? <laughs> then after that, it's who? <laughs> Martha's concerned with how many. Mary's concerned with Jesus. It's good to know how many. You don't want to be short. But she was distracted. See, she's in the kitchen. Jesus is in the living room. She's pulled away from him to the kitchen. Don't get trapped in the kitchen. Don't get distracted to the point where it's not about Jesus anymore. It's all about the serving. So she's saying, can you please get Mary to help? Can, can she at least set the table? Is there anything that's Mary? Mary's just like, ooh. She's just, you know, in another world, just crying all the time. She's all weepy, and she's with Jesus. And Martha's like, jeez. Does anyone relate to this? Come on now. Lord, don't you even care that my sister doesn't even, you know, when you, when you don't say their name, you know. My sister. Attitude. Yes. My sister has left me to serve alone. I'm the only one doing anything in this church. Therefore, tell her, tell her to help me. She doesn't, she's even given up trying. She knows she can't move Mary, so let's get Jesus to move Mary. Martha was distracted with, not with serving, but with much serving. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I think there's another verse. Therefore, tell her to help me. But Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, whenever Jesus calls your name twice, you are worried and troubled, not just busy, worried and troubled about many things. But it's not the only thing we're going to do, but one thing is we can do without the food if we have to, but there's one thing we can't do without. We might cannot have the, maybe, maybe the, the, the table's not set exactly right, and maybe we're a little short on cups today, but there is one thing we can't do without. Hallelujah. We might run out of food, but we don't want to run out of this. We might have a hard time. We can't get this or that done, but I'm telling you, one thing is needed. Say, one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. It's interesting in the Greek, what it's really saying is there's a lot of things on the menu, but there's one dish. There's one thing on the menu. There's one portion, oh, my God, hallelujah, that is absolutely necessary, and that is Jesus himself. Give him praise this morning. Woo! There, read that in the... Read that in the message real quick. I, I love this. Those two verses. And the master said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. One thing only is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It's the main course. It's the main course. And it won't be taken from her. Look at the Passion Translation. This is great. The Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha. How many know Jesus loved Martha? Why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? Are they really that important? <laughs> Mary has discovered the one thing. Say the one thing. 
most important, by choosing to sit at my feet, she is undistracted, and I won't take this privilege from her. Oh, God, help us. Martha is the Martha Stewart of her day. <laughs> She's, she maybe had to prepare a meal for 15 or 20 people with no microwave. You know, and she's like, can't you just get her to help me? But Mary has chosen the better course, the good portion. Listen, it's not just about serving him. It's all about being with him. Don't get stuck in the kitchen. Pastor, what kind of church do you think this is? It's a presence church. This has got to be a presence church. Listen, the Martha church is really busy. The Martha Church has a lot of programs, huge budgets. They're very friendly. Their worship is like a concert. They do outreach. The pastor is people-focused. He has his hands in everything. We're just busy, 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 and it's all about, really, it's all about pleasing people. Have you heard the word consumerism? I, I want you to understand this. Because our society has shifted. Before the Industrial Revolution, talk about the Civil War area somewhere in there, and, and earlier, 90%, at least 90% of the population of the United States lived on a farm. Now 99% do not live on a farm. 90% of the population lived on a farm. What does that mean? They were self-sufficient. They grew their own food. They made their own clothes. Come on. Their work was in the barn across from the house. They didn't have to go anywhere. They didn't need anything. They were taken care of. They, 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 by some estimates, 60% of what they grew was used just to keep the animals alive. So, so there's, there's not a lot of extra going out. They're not, they might take a little bit to town and sell if they got extra. And they would go to, go to town, what, what, once a month, once a year, twice a year? And, and, and I got to get that new pot. And that's about it. Or I got to I got to buy some sugar, you know. So there's not there's once in a while, maybe once a year, a traveling salesman would come by, and he's got everything on his on his trailer, and he tries to sell you something. But those those are rare. Those people were weird, you know. Salesman. Our society was self sufficient, but now we are totally dependent on these salesmen. And we are a consumer base, and businesses understand that they need to figure out what you want. In fact, they go beyond that. They try to invent things they think you want. They start making things up. Remember the high karate commercials back in the day, that men's cologne high karate? You spray it on, and you had to beat the, men, beat the women off you. I went out and bought high karate. Nobody attacked me. They will literally create needs. They say, you cannot live a full life without this. You're missing out on something. I think that's the original sin. The reason why Eve bit the apple is because she thought she was missing out on something. And consumerism is the whole idea. If you don't buy this, you're missing something. They, they don't just minister to your needs. They create needs. And it's all about making you happy, uh, getting you to the point where you keep coming back, Sounds like church. And I'm afraid too many churches have, and really 
pastors play the game and the, guy, and the people in the pew play the game. And we both have this consumer thing that you come and buy stuff and I give it to you. You pay your tithes and I preach what you want to hear. The problem with consumerism is when, when, when it's all about you and meeting your And I believe in meeting people's needs, obviously. But when it's all about that, guess what? Guess who controls the church? The pew. It's not about the direction God has for the church. It's about what you need as a congregation. You ever been, been to some of these churches where they got plaques everywhere? Anytime you put a plaque on the wall, that wall, you can never take that plaque down. That wall is dedicated to the past for the rest of its life. They got plaques on the pews. They got plaques on the walls. They got plaques walking up. The thing about plaque, it's like the other plaque. They're both spelled the same way. The plaque on your teeth, they'll both cause decay. And if all we're concerned about is keeping you happy, that's consumerism. We're playing the game of Fifth Avenue instead of the highway of holiness. If, if it's all about what we're selling, then you own the church. And if you own it, you control it. And God is nowhere to be found. It's no wonder so many churches have fights. Because you can never get everyone to agree on the same thing. This is why 1,500 pastors a month re- are, are quitting. They're stressed because they're trying to do everything they can to make sure their customer base is taken care of. See, Martha was concerned about how, what the attendance is going to be. And Mary just wanted to be at his one man said, the sheep don't own the shed. Listen, it's okay to love the city. It's okay to, to do outreach. It's okay to give people food. It's, it's okay to be organized. It's, it's okay to have some programs and all that stuff. But listen, we need to find ourselves at the feet of Jesus. I want you to hear what I'm saying in this church. Amen. No matter what we do, we need to do it at the feet of Jesus. If we're serving the community, we need to do it at the feet of Jesus. If we're having a meeting, we need to have a meeting at the feet of Jesus. If we're doing worship, if we're, if we're greeting someone at the door, it's at the feet of Jesus. If I'm doing the nursery, it's at the feet of Jesus. If I'm going to visit someone in the hospital, it's at the feet of Jesus. Our goal is not to make people happy. Our, our goal is to get people out of the kitchen and into the living room where Jesus is. It's okay to serve. It's okay to do that. Please don't stop the helps ministry. We need you. But we need to do it at the feet of Jesus. How many know it's all about the presence? Exodus chapter 33 talks about, remember when Moses, and they took him, out of, took him out of Egypt, and God said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. My presence will go with you. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. If I don't have the presence, I'm not moving. If I don't have the presence, there's no point in doing it. If we don't have the presence, why in the world are we having church today? If, it's, if the presence isn't here, I might be able to do some things to make you happy and make you leave here and say, oh, that was a good service. But if the presence wasn't there, pastor, what kind of church are we going to have? I don't know, but Jesus is going to be in the middle of it. His presence will be all we've got to have. It's the only essential thing on the menu. For how then will it be known if you're not with me that your people and I have found grace in your sight except you go with us. So 
We shall be a separate people. I'm sick and tired of churches looking like the world, trying to attract the world. We're going to be separate. It's not that we don't care, we don't want you. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying we're different. Notice what Moses didn't ask. He didn't ask for more money. He said, Lord, you know we need a million dollars for this trip. We're here 40 years. He didn't ask for wisdom. He didn't ask for power. He didn't ask for authority. He didn't ask for authority. He didn't ask, say, God, I need more knowledge. The only thing Pastor Moses asked for is the presence. If I have the presence, I won't need any of this other stuff because the presence will bring all this other stuff. I don't need you. Oh, my God. Maybe we ought to just change our whole prayer life. And instead of asking for this, that, and the other thing, we just need to ask for his presence. God, I just want your presence. I just want to be found at the feet of Jesus. My God, I need your presence. There's a lot of things we don't really need to be praying about if we just have the the presence of God. Listen, this is not the only story about them. There's another story here. John chapter 11, verse 1. Go to that real quick. Now, a certain man was sick. Remember Lazarus? Lazarus, his brother. He, He was sick. He died. Jesus intentionally stayed away. Listen, sometimes there's a reason why he's not answering your prayer. And he comes later, and he's already been in the tomb four days. And I never noticed this before, but both sisters asked him the same question. They both said the same thing. Listen, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, you can say that a couple different ways. Martha says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And, and Jesus goes on to say, I'm the resurrection. And she says, yeah, I, okay, right, I know. I'll be with him someday. Isn't that what we always say to people? You're going to be together someday. What was Martha after? Martha wanted answers. Why? Why weren't you here? Why did he die? There's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but Jesus responds the way she asked the question. He tries to explain. He tries to at least comfort her to let her know this is not, there will be a resurrection. In fact, I am the resurrection. He didn't say, I'm going to raise. He said, I am the resurrection and life. He who believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord, I believe it. What does Mary say? Verse 32. Then when Mary came, where Jesus was, and saw him, she fell at his feet. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Same statement, but here's how Mary said it. Mary said it in faith. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. I believe that. She wasn't questioning why. She wasn't blaming Jesus. She's just making a statement of faith. If you had been here, he wouldn't have died. But she's down on her knees. She's down on her knees. She's weeping, not because Lazarus is dead, but she's weeping because Jesus is here. I want you to get this because some of you have never yet experienced God in an emotional way, in a heart way. For some of us guys, it's especially difficult sometimes to get into that mode. You know, our wives are all, oh, praise God. And we're like, I'm not moved by anything. And it's hard for guys sometimes to get into that because we're not, some of us aren't, aren't that emotional, right? And, and I, wasn't, I wasn't raised to be emotional, <laughs> believe me. So I was raised strict German. I don't ever remember being hugged, ever. 
I suppose when I was real little and I don't remember. <laughs> so, but listen, if I can feel the Lord in a deep, passionate way, so can you guys. There is a place. But you know when that happens? It happens when you get to that place of brokenness. It happened when Lazarus died. And in that death, how many times, what happened? Let me ask you a question. What happens in a crisis in your life? For some people, they immediately go to, why did this happen? I, I don't understand why, and I'm angry at God, and I, I don't, you know, this shouldn't have happened. I don't know why God would treat me like this. Uh, they blame God every time something bad happened, but they never once thank God when something good happens. In fact, they took credit for it. You know, if you're going to take credit for the ups, you need to take credit for the, for the downs. If you're going to blame God for when something goes bad, at least thank Him when something goes right. Actually, thank him no matter what, right? In that crisis, she, didn't, she wasn't blaming God. She, it wasn't about, about, you know, how do I organize? How do I deal with this? How do I make sense of this? It was just, I don't know, but I'm at your feet. I don't understand, but I love you. I don't get it, but I praise you. I don't know what to do about it, but I love you anyway. I'm not blaming you. I don't know what to, I don't understand this, but I love you, Lord, and the tears are coming down. And you know what the Bible says? It said Jesus wept. And I, when I first read that, I thought, why is he crying? He knows he's about to raise Lazarus. Lazarus is no more dead to Jesus than the, man, than the rest of them. He knows he's going to raise him from the dead. Why is he crying? He's not crying because of Lazarus. He's crying because of Mary. If you really want Jesus' attention, it's not so much about serving him. It's about loving him. It's when you find yourself at his feet. And not just serving him at the table. But there's one more scene, John 12. John 12. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. Here we go. Where Lazarus, who was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead, uh -huh, there they made him a supper. I love Jesus. He's always eating. And Martha served. See, he doesn't want, want Martha to quit serving. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Typical man. <laughs> He's just sitting at the table. Hey, dinner's late. Right? There's really three kinds of churches, right? Or church people. There, there's the Mary worshipers. There's, there's the Martha doers and servers. And then there's the people who just show up to eat. Oh, I offended somebody. Okay. Lazarus is just sitting at the table. But what a testimony that is. This guy was dead four days. Now he's... Woo! Mary took a pound of very costly oil. Listen, it was worth a year's wages. Are you hearing me? What kind of perfume would cost $50,000? And it, when she broke it, by the way, once you break it, you can't put it back. <laughs> Has anybody gotten to the place of no return with Jesus? Oh, I feel the Lord. Jesus, just begin to invade this place with your presence. 
I mentioned in the early service. I, I don't know why Gloria does this, but it seems like she likes to put her perfume on when we're in the car. And I'm like, my, my eyes are watering. How many know perfume changes the atmosphere? What she did didn't just affect Jesus. It affected the room. When you worship God, it's not just about you and him. It affects the room. It fills the room with the sweet fragrance and presence of God. When one person, when one person, because there was just one person in the room, and she let her hair down. That's important because women were not allowed. Only prostitutes would walk around with their hair down. Church, it's time to let your hair down. It's time to just be intimate with him. It's time to stop caring what anyone else thinks. Whew. And it's time to get away from the unnecessary things and just say, I just want to be at his feet. I just want to be at his feet. I don't always have to have what's in his hand. I just want to be at his feet. Oh, to be with you, Lord. It's just all about the presence. I want a church that is presence-based. It's all about, it's all about the presence. The house was filled. Listen, I've been in services where one person's worship changed the whole church. Because real worship changes the atmosphere. You get into a service like that, you don't need to pray for healing. It'll be there. Get in a service like that, and you don't have to worry about that depression. I can't sleep at night because all of a sudden the sweet peace of God. Get your loved ones in a service like that, and when they feel the presence of the Lord, they know that's their answer. They know that's what's going to make a difference. Thank God for counseling. Thank God for counselors. Thank God for medical doctors. Praise God, but that's not the main course. What we need is the presence. People are trying to have different models of church so they can fill the pews. I'm not so much interested in filling pews as much as I'm interested in filling hearts. <laughs> 